your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lines is pitched. Thrill to left field. Going back is Ben Nissel looking up, and it is gone. Two-run home run into the upper deck in left field for Jack Style. Those are your insurance runs. It's now 4-0 Big Red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Yep, we're here. How about being ready for tournament week? Love this week. Love this time of year. Conference tournament action. Tim had a rundown there of some of the ones that are already underway. The Big Big Ten tournament starts later this week. The women's has one game tomorrow. The men get going on Wednesday. Both the Husker men and women will play on Wednesday. The women early, 10 a.m. tip. At Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the men will play following the opening game. should be around 8 o'clock on Wednesday night against Penn State, a team that that they beat on the road and then had a three-point loss to them at PBA a few weeks ago. So two highly competitive games. Can't wait for uh, tournament week to get here. We are inside of seven days from Selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament. Cannot wait for that to happen after missing out a year ago because of covid uh, this the special time of year. March Madness is back. Love it. Can't get enough of it. I'm going to soak it all in over the coming weeks. So can't wait for all that to happen. Speaking of basketball, we'll have the head coach with us in hour number two. He um, he and the guys are leaving tomorrow for Indy, where their tournament's going to be in the Dome. They're going to be playing inside the Dome where the Colts play. So uh, that'll be a different uh, feeling for everyone to play in that. It's kind of a run-up or a a, a little precursor to the NCAA tournament, which will get going the week after that in Indianapolis. So we'll have a full hour with the head coach to so get your comments, questions ready for him. We've not had the coach for a full hour for quite a while. Had a great session with Matt Abdomasi last week, but we'll have the head coach here for an hour between uh, 7 and 8 tonight. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. Husker football collected their first commit of the 2022 class, a young man from Columbus, Nebraska, that had a bunch of offers. This is a talented young guy. Great that Nebraska is able to keep him at home. He committed to the Big Red yesterday. We'll get all the particulars about that from Nate coming up in a few minutes and also about what's on the horizon, what's next. I think Nebraska is now over 300 offers out the door for the 2022 class, so they have been cranking them out. Still can't go contact right now. The NCAA has close the door on in-person recruiting or young men coming on campus for official visits until at least June the 1st. I got to think that's going to open up then uh, with all the things that are all the positive news that we're getting about the virus and the vaccinations uh, going in arms every day. So hopefully that'll happen. But we'll get the latest from Nate coming up in a few minutes. Hour three, we'll have our weekend rewind. Ben will take a look back at a busy sports weekend. Uh, a lot, a lot of action in the Big Ten. You had Big Ten wrestling, obviously the end of the regular seasons for men's and women's basketball and the start of baseball began for the big 10 this weekend ben and i are just back from round rock where we saw the huskers take three out of four from the boilermakers so we'll have the re- weekend rewinding and we'll have our weekend winners as well coming up at the end of our number three let's let's start ben with baseball the, the huskers take three of four from purdue they drop the opener on friday six to five but then really dominate the action after that they outscore purdue 21 to two over the last three games, shut them out over the last 16 innings. 
and and we're by far the more we're the better baseball team this weekend over Purdue. And a good start to Will Bolt's second season. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was a great response after Friday, and just how disappointed I think we all were leaving the ballpark that day. And Nebraska felt like they let one slip away, and um, you know had a have an opportunity to to feel good after your first game. You know, going to the next day, get by them. And it's never fun getting walked off. That's a, that's a feeling that you never get used to. It's never never a good thing, no matter what happens the previous eight innings. So that, that, that stung. That, that definitely stung on Friday. But to answer back in the doubleheader the way that they did, you know, really dominating from the third inning on uh, the rest of that day and to see kind of everything pieced together with the pitching, Saw pretty good defense all weekend long for the Huskers. That's another underrated thing we probably haven't talked about enough is how well Nebraska played defensively and, and the offense. Um, you know, they had, I think they had 17 hits through the first two games. They had seven hits in the second game of that doubleheader. The bats kind of escaped them for a large part of yesterday's game, but came alive when they needed to thanks to another freshman. And I think that's that's kind of my lingering thought today is just how well Nebraska's not just freshmen, but all the newcomers played uh throughout the entire weekend um it, it's just truly uh, a testament to this coach's coaching staff's work ethic to not only go through the recruiting process of getting these guys committed and getting them here during a pandemic but also getting them ready to play for the first weekend of, of big 10 baseball this wasn't um rummy tech you know that they were playing this weekend it was a big 10 team so have those guys out there and ready and um you know, facing 95 miles an hour, facing a guy, guys with good sync, good breaking balls. That this this was a good test for them, and I, a lot of them passed with flying colors in their first weekend. So, um, I know the Friday game was disappointing to a lot of people, but you have to love the way that they bounced back and and performed. Um, you know, the last three games of that series and really making a statement. Five home runs hit by the Huskers over the weekend, three on Friday in the loss, and then two yesterday in the 4 nothing victory. I think maybe the biggest question mark going into the season was the pitching staff. Were there enough quality arms? What would the front-line starters be? And Cade Povich you felt really good about. And he didn't really throw very well on Friday in the, in the opening game. Was it just opening weekend jitters? You hope so. You hope that was a case. There were a lot of scouts in attendance uh, for these games that might have got into his head a little bit I think he'll bounce back and be fine but that staff leaves the weekend as I mentioned 16 scoreless innings to finish the weekend and they finished the series with an ERAF two. I, I think it was a really positive weekend for what we saw the various arms that climbed the hill yeah and again I think you got to look at it you know kind of kind of at each individual part part to the staff right your starters first I think um, you know, Cade, Cade didn't have his best stuff. He tried to fight through it, and, you know, it just wasn't the Cade Povich that, that we were expecting. And, and I'm with you. I think he, he will bounce back. That, that kid's too competitive, you know, to, to run run out there and do, and do things like that every time out. So I, I, do, I do have a good, good amount of confidence in him. Um, but it was awesome to see <clears throat> Chance Roach in his first Husker start coming over from New Mexico almost give Nebraska a complete game in that first game of the doubleheader. You know, we were expecting good things from him, and I think the coaches felt like he didn't even have his best stuff um, in that game and still found a way to almost get through seven uh, shutout innings. And, you know, you had piggyback off that, Shea Shanneman making his 
Um, Husker, first Husker start, and just dominated. It was a little rocky in that first inning, but again, probably a little amped up. He was pitching to a really tight zone. Every pitcher was in that second game, and and he was dominant. So that was great. And then Jake Buns on a limited pitch count yesterday really pitched well and you know was up to 93 with the fastball and uh, showed a good breaking ball too from that left side. So the starters, I think, it, it went about as good as is to be expected. And then the the relievers, you know, how how did some of those guys look? Braxton Bragg was awesome on Friday. You had a lot of guys pitch um, yesterday. I think seven total pitchers yesterday, and everyone that came in did their job. Um, you know, you, you saw a lot of really good efforts out of the bullpen. And then how's your back end look? Cam Wynn was awesome. 95 with the fastball, uh, showed the ability to get the breaking pitch over. You saw Jackson Hallmark pitch in the eighth yesterday, get a big double play. And Spencer Schwellenbach with the easiest 97 that, that, that you can imagine uh, in the back end too. You know, you would love to still have a flamethrower and Colby Gomez back there. I, you know, I thought about him a lot this weekend, not being able to pitch. But really, all three parts to the bullpen, the the starters, the relievers, and then the closers, the, the back end guys, all pitch very well. And and that's that that's that's important because you don't want to leave a weekend going. Well, I'm worried about one of the three areas. You know, you're gonna have to have your starters get to your closers if your relievers don't perform well, or you know, if you're Back-end guys look shaky. You're nervous about that heading into the, the next weekend. But I think all three parts of, of the pitching staff passed two. And I know Purdue's not going to be a, a top half of the league offense, but they still had to make the pitches and get the outs when it mattered, and they were able to do it. So 3-1, and one, Huskers will head to another pod this weekend. This time they'll play different teams. They'll play Ohio State twice. The Buckeyes went 3-1. and one. Their opening weekend, taking three out of four from Illinois. And Illinois is expected to be a pretty good team. And then Iowa, who had a tough time with Michigan down in Round Rock. They went one and three against the Wolverines. Huskers will play two against the Buckeyes, two against the Hawkeyes this coming weekend up at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Husker basketball wrapped up the regular season yesterday. And, man, what a finish to that game. Uh, Huskers were down as many as 16 in the first half. And, man, Ben, I I tip my cap to this team and this coaching staff. You're down 16 on the road, last game of the regular season. You've had a bad year. You you really have. I mean, there's not been a lot of fun. That had the definition of just pack it in and get, get ready to get on the bus and head back to the airport and come on back to Lincoln and then maybe gear yourself up for the Big Ten tournament that starts on Wednesday. And yet, here they came, flying back in the second half. Kobe Webster was terrific, dropping threes in left and right in the second 20 minutes. Not only did the Huskers wipe out the 16-point deficit, they had the lead. They had the lead in the last minute of the game. Uh, A shot clock violation gave the ball back to the Cats with 11 seconds to go. The Huskers were up one at that point. You can't do that. You can't have, you can't get something to the rim. You cannot not get something to the rim in the last 30 seconds. Um, you got to get it up there somehow. I, I know Lat had a chance to pull the trigger on a three at the top of the key. Coach Hoiberg said after the game he didn't think he caught the pass very well, so he didn't feel like he could get up there and at least make an attempt at the rim. But th- that's a tough turnover there. And then the, the Cats come down, miss the shot. You, you send three guys at the at the guy taking the ball to the hoop and you don't block off on the backside and they get a cheap lay-in at the gun to, to win the game over Nebraska. Not at the gun. Huskers did get a three-up from Kobe uh, at the end. But 
a tough one to finish it, but golly, Ben, I, I'm just again, I, I'm really proud of the fact that they didn't just kind of roll over down 16 on the road with the kind of year they've had. I, I think that says an awful lot about kind of the groundwork that, that Coach Hoiberg and the staff are establishing with this guys, and credit the players too for not just kind of chucking the towel in on that game. Yeah, I think it just kind of fits the mold of the season, right? I mean, these guys just playing hard no matter the circumstance. And it, you're right, it would have been easy for a lot of teams to just fold it up and start thinking about Indy and, um, you know, not, not finish the end of that game. But, you know, the, the, they played hard, they, they competed, and they, they almost made enough plays to win. Unfortunately, you know, some things didn't bounce their way there at the end um, that I know Coach will talk about here in about 40 minutes here on the show. But um, it just – <laughs> let another one slip away at the very end just not a very good feeling going to a big 10 tournament you know imagine the feeling in that locker room that they'd have and the confidence that they'd have um you know it had had that three dropped or you know they executed that last play defensively it it it's frustrating but you hope it it fuels them you hope that they're itching to get back out there on the floor against penn state on wednesday and, and, you know, they take the rubber match against the Nittany Lions in the tournament. It's all they can do. They can't sit back and dwell on it. But, yeah, again, I mean, I think the coaching staff has to be thrilled. But I don't think they're surprised. I think that they've stopped being surprised with this team. And no matter the circumstance, being able to go out there and compete for 40 minutes and, in this case, come back from a large deficit. Um, you and I had the game on when we were driving to the airport, and it just seemed like, you know, Nebraska there for the longest time would make a few plays, then Northwestern would make a play and just kind of erase the progress that they made there midway through the second half. But they did a great job of, of breaking through that, going on a run and taking the lead late. They just unfortunately couldn't finish it out. Husker women lost a tough one Saturday night to Iowa. That was a back-and-forth battle against the Hawkeyes. Nebraska ends up being the eighth seed in the women's tournament, so they'll play Minnesota who they've lost to twice this year. They'll play them in, in that in that 10 a.m. game on Wednesday. If they can survive that, and I think they can beat them, they'll have a real tough task because they have to play the top seed Maryland then in the second day of the tournament. But, hey, you get, you got to get there. So try to just take it one day in time and go get that done. John Cook's volleyball team, great weekend in Champaign, two sweeps over Illinois. And I know Illinois is not what they've been. They really are struggling in, in league play. But now what that sets up is a giant match against an Ohio State team that I don't know if they're that good, but they're undefeated. I mean, they have not lost yet. They're currently leading the conference. I don't know if they've played any of the, the top echelon teams yet, uh, but they come to the Devaney Center for matches on Friday and Saturday. Should be a fun week uh, weekend at the Devaney Center for the Husker volleyball team as John Cook's uh, squad goes on the road, and they beat his former assistant in, in two sweeps against um, the fighting line over the weekend. So they had a good weekend as well. Delighted to welcome on board the program one of our faves, Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. How's Nate doing? You got spring training going on. You got to be feeling good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, feeling great. There's uh, there's baseball. Spring training is is happening. There's actual fans in the stands. So, um, and Nebraska just picked up their, their first commit. So things are, you know, it's off to a pretty good spring so far. How often were you asked over the last 30 days, what's going on? Why isn't there a commit? What's ha I bet it's been plentiful, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, multiple times a day, uh, yeah. really. I mean, I think that 
Um, and, you know, people get anxious, and, and that's kind of the, the nature of the business. But, you know, at first I think people kind of understood, yeah, you know, things might get off to a little bit slower start this year with the recruiting dead period that's that's been, you know, really underway for about a year now and then uh, everything else that's happening. And uh, But, you know, as time kind of wore on, you know, people people are getting a little antsy. So it was it was good to see the Huskers get commit number one on the board for 2020. Well, let's talk about Ernest Hausman, the young man from Columbus, Nebraska, an outside linebacker. At least that's what Rivals has him listed at. What about this young man? What do you like about him? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, he's a tremendous athlete. He's 6'3", 210 pounds, uh, can really run, has uh, you know, got the ability to, to get to the quarterback. Um, he's athletic enough to cover in space. You can, you can go sideline to sideline or come down a hill and, and fill a fill a hole and, and be physical. So, I mean, he just flashes on film all over the place. Um, you know, and, and he even plays a little bit of wide receiver where you can really see how explosive he is. So, uh, but, you know, he's also an in-state kid. It's been a long time since Nebraska has gotten anyone from Columbus. I think the last, in, you know, the last uh, Columbus signee, was Josh Mueller in 2003, hmm. and the last uh, the last one, you know, Mueller was from Lakeview, and, and you know, the last to come from Columbus High was Tim Carpenter in 1993. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been a long time, but um, you know, I, I think that the other offers that Ernest had had gathered, uh, you know, in addition to Nebraska, kind of speaks to his athleticism too. You know, when you've got you've got Michigan and Northwestern and Arizona State and um, you know, Boston College, and you know, there's eight or nine others that had come in and offered him already. Um, you know, it, it kind of speaks to the type of prospect he is. And so, um, you know, linebacker is always kind of a spot where, where Nebraska is, is needing bodies at, uh, and very important part of that defense. And, and I think Ernest is somebody that could come in and, and possibly be an outside or an inside guy. He's got a lot of versatility there. Barrett Rude, the lead on this one, Nate? Yes, he was. Barrett Rude is the lead there. And, um, you know, and I think I mentioned, you know, the fact that he could play inside or outside, but I think, you know, Barrett's kind of the, the Nebraska recruiter. That's, that's his territory. Um, you know, and I think that there's a possibility that Ernest is, is uh, you know, also have been recruited by his future position coach too. Uh, but what's interesting about it is that, Nebraska really did take a whole staff approach here, recruiting Ernest. Uh, you know, talking with him, not only was it Bear Rude who was in communication with him almost constantly, but it was Eric Chenander and, and Scott Frost and, and pretty much the entire, you know, Nebraska football coaching staff. And so, I mean, they, they really were after him quite hard, um, you know, really ever since they were the, the first to offer him in the, the beginning of December. Again, visit with Nate Klaus, HuskerOnline.com. Husker football picks up their first commit of the 2022 class yesterday. Ernest Hausman from Columbus, Nebraska. Uh, Nate, I'm, I'm trying to track some of these offers. It seems like they're flying out the door, aren't they? I mean, it's not like the staff has just been watching movies and Netflix all day. They're, they're getting after it, aren't they? They just can't go see anybody. Yeah, they, they really have been. You know, I, I think there's, there's a tremendous amount of work that's taking place uh, kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, you know, even though these, these coaches um, don't have a, a ton of commits yet on the board, um, you know, it's not out of the ordinary for them to only have one by this time anyway. But, uh, you know, they, they've been watching an awful lot of film, evaluating a lot of prospects. 
uh, and have been moving forward with with offers too. I think uh, it's become pretty clear that they want to continue building from the inside out. You know, there's been a lot of offensive line and a lot of defensive linemen that have uh, that have picked up offers here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so they, you know, they've really kind of uh, changed the those rooms dramatically over the last few years and a lot of promising talent there. And, you know, that's, that's going to continue to be an area of focus. Every recruiting class, I think is, is along the offensive and defensive lines. Who's at the top of their board at the quarterback spot. Do you think, do they have a a one candidate that they really like? Yeah, you know, that's that's the interesting, you know, one of the most interesting positions right now. I think, you know, there's a number of of players that that I think, you know, you can make a case for that's that's right up there at the top. Um, you know, and and I think that that will probably get sorted out um uh, here in the coming weeks or or here over the next month just who is the the top prospect there or the the number one name at the board. Uh, but right now it seems like, you know, when, when you talk with a lot of the, the guys that have offers from Nebraska, um, seems like they're, they're going, you know, equally as hard after, after all these guys, um, you know, even one of the newer guys that just picked up an offer, Richard Torres out of uh, San Antonio, Texas, six, five, 210 pound athlete down there. Uh, that's got a, just a, a super strong arm, um, it, but is also a very good athlete, can run and, and do a lot of different things. But um, even though he just picked up his offer, Nebraska has been in communication with him for a while now, and they've been developing that relationship. And so, uh, you know, I think that one thing that's it's kind of a common theme, not just for the quarterbacks that they've offered, but for a lot of these recruits is they want to visit somewhere before they make a, a decision. And uh, you can only take so many virtual tours, you know, I think, uh, you know, that, and that does go a long way, but you also, I think, a lot of a lot of these prospects they want to get on campus at a couple of different places. They want to be able to to get that vibe, that in person feeling for the coaching staff and for the facilities and, and just the overall atmosphere of the you know the respective university that they're visiting. So uh, I think once that's able to happen, uh, things are just going to really explode. Yeah, we, recruiting does seem to be your momentum. Somebody one one clicks, one falls into place, and it seems like it runs off a, a couple of more. Do you anticipate some more commits before the end of the month, or is it still too too fluid out there for this this staff right now? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't necessarily anticipate you know another commit falling here right away, uh, but it could very well happen. You know, and that's one one kind of fun part of, of you know, talking to a, a, a new commit like Ernest Hausman is, is, you know, you ask him, you know, what's, what's your approach? Are, are you kind of a peer recruiter? Or are you more of the type that's going to sit back and, and let things unfold? And he said, no way. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be working it and, and trying <laughs> to get as many other guys that Nebraska is after to, to join me as I can. And uh, so I know he's very excited to, to try and help get other players to join him in this recruiting class, but uh, you're, Right. It, it is a kind of a snowball effect uh, most times when there's one commit that kind of leads to another and another. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that unfolds. I do think that we will see you know, at least a, a few more commits happen by the time uh, the, the dead period is officially lifted, which right now is it's running through the end of May. But uh, I, I do anticipate there to be at least a couple commits between now and then. Right. 
is it is it is 2022 a good year in the state an average year a below average year how do you gauge that as you look ahead to the 2022 class in the state of nebraska yeah it's it's as good as it's been for yeah. a long time which is saying something because here over the last few years the the crop of in-state talent each recruiting cycle has been really really good and, and so uh, you know i can think back to 10 10 years ago 13 years ago where you know, on, on any given cycle, it was maybe one or two for sure, you know, division one guys. And then, then you kind of had to really project and, and say, okay, well, how's this guy going to develop once he gets to college, once he gets into a nutrition and, and strength conditioning program and so on and so forth. But right now, Nebraska has offered five players in the 2022 class in state. Uh, there's a few others that I think, you know, will end up getting a Nebraska offer by the time things are all said and done. Uh, you know, Jake Applegate here in Lincoln, uh, at Lincoln Southeast, is one that I think, you know, I would not be surprised if he ended up getting an offer at some point down the road from the Huskers, too. So uh, it's a very strong year in the state. And in, in, from doing our in-state tour, it looks like that the in-state talent is going to continue to be, um, you know, pretty pretty deep here over the next couple of years. Good. That always helps the Huskers if it's good in the state. We we know that. Go back to the 90s and look at some of those rosters and how full of in-state kids those those teams were. Nate, we always appreciate it. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, Husker Nation was excited yesterday. You could see it. You could feel it uh, on your boards and some of the other things. They've just been waiting to, to wrap their arms around a commit for the 2022 class, and great that we got that one. Appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yep. Have a good one, Greg. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Second chance, it's Webster with the ball. He shoots it from the foul line. Bang! Arang from the foul line, and Nebraska's taking the lead at 68-67. to 67. Four minutes and seven seconds to go. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Gives to uh, Walker, and now with it is McGowan's. Back to Webster, where the sideline meets the timeline. Couple of steps in, out to McGowan's. Back to Webster, shoots up the three. Got it! Holy smokes! Holy cow! Seven trios for Kobe Webster. And the Huskers are up by four points. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. McGowan's high post, pass to Walker. On a curl, the handoff, the layup, up block, rebound, put back, good! Webster missed it! Walker was there with a money tap, put back! Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. Thank you, and are delighted to have the head coach with us tonight for the next hour. If you want to be a part of the show, two ways to do that. Either call us up, 531-500-4686. That's on our Sports Nightly Hotline. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Either a call or a text at that very same number of 531-500-4686. It's March. Do you still, does it still excite a guy like you that it's March? I, this to me is, is, is maybe the best time of year with all these conference tournaments going on and uh, soon we'll have the brackets and all that. Do you still get excited about it all? Yeah, this this is the best time of year. There's no doubt about it, Greg. And, you know, for us, obviously, we want to be a team, and I'm confident we're going to be a team that you had leading into the conference tournament. Uh, wh- wh- however you fare, it will help your seeding. And in, in the big dance, you know, obviously we're not there yet as a program, but we're certainly excited about getting there. 
And I'm confident we're, once we get there, we'll be there for a long time. And, you know, hopefully take this program to, to new heights. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's what you work for all year. This is the fun time of year when you get a fresh start, you get the opportunity to go into the conference tournament. I was very fortunate to be a part of two uh, championships in, in the conference tournament, the Big 12. And uh, it's something your players never forget, your, your staff never forgets, your fans never forget. Uh, you know, when you cut down those nets, in the conference tournament and then get the opportunity the next week to compete for a national championship. So, you know, it, uh, it's a great time of year. I agree with you hundred percent. It's the best time. Uh, I think the ACC starts tomorrow where you get games all day long. Uh, you know, those first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament where you get games all throughout the day, uh, it's such an exciting time of year. And as I said, you know, we're going to get there, Greg, and, and um, you know, can't wait for that day to happen. Yep. No, you're going to. Now, you've played an entire season without fans. The Big Ten announced last week that they're going to open the doors at Lucas Oil Field uh, for 8,000 fans to come in and watch the Big Ten tournament. That's going to be fun, right? I mean, that's going to be great for the players to finally get out and, and have an audience to play in front of. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be different. First of all, playing basketball at a football stadium is going to yeah. be very unique. Um, you know, it's it's totally different. I, I played in a couple of them. You know, going back to my freshman year at Iowa State, where we played at uh, Northern Iowa when they used to play in the old Unidome. And it's just, it's so hard to get used to that background. And we're going to get 30 minutes. We'll get a 30-minute window on Wednesday before we play Penn State. We, we get that time in the morning, and then we don't play till 9 p.m., which is miserable. I hate those late games like that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a totally different feel in uh, in that almost dome-type setting. Uh, I played in the old San Antonio Dome, um, you know, back playing in the Toronto Dome. Uh, the Sky Dome up there uh, the first couple of years when the Raptors were in existence. And, you know, it's like I said, it's a, it's a different feel, a different vibe. But uh, to have fans in attendance, it's, uh, it's great. You know, hopefully we get through, you know, this, uh, this pandemic and, you know, get this virus behind us with a vaccine in place now. And hopefully next year we'll be back to a full arena. I, you know, I'm confident we have as good a home court advantage, especially when we get it rolling, when we'll get it rolling uh, as anybody. And that's one thing that was so attractive uh, about this opportunity to come be the head coach at Nebraska is just how great that atmosphere is. And talking to other coaches around the league and around the country that had played in PBA. Uh, so, you know, to get that home court advantage back next year uh, will be awesome once, uh, once we're able to fill that building up again. Well, let's talk about the, the finish to the regular season. Uh, I'm sure you've replayed in your mind the last minute plus of that game. But, you, boy, you had to be proud of your guys. You're down 16 in the first half. You're on the road. You haven't had the year any of, any of us wanted it to have. Would have been pretty easy to mail that thing in. But that team did anything but that. They put you in a great position to get a win on the road. Your thoughts about yesterday's regular season finale? Well, we've we battled through adversity all year, Greg. And as I've said, I don't think there's a team in the country that faced more adversity than we did when our whole rotation got the virus halfway through the season when we were making big strides. I thought we'd played two of our better games heading into the shutdown with the Michigan State and Indiana game. And then you take 20 days off where you can't, um, you know, not only you're not playing games, you can't even work out, you can't be in the gym. And then to be asked to play the schedule that we have, after the shutdown, uh, you know, it's, it's just been absolutely crazy. And we've just, you know, done everything we can. We've limited our practices to basically walkthroughs and shooting sessions. Uh, today was really the first time we kind of went hard the day after a game because we have two days to prepare and we have a late tip. 
uh, on uh, uh, on Wednesday, like I said, at, at nine o'clock. So, you know, we were able to get some work in today, um, you know, but for our guys to go out and continue to compete through all the adversity we faced with basically no practice time, um, you know, it says a lot about the character of our group. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. Yesterday we, we did a phenomenal job finding the right guy, which was Kobe, hit seven threes in that game, even the last shot which if you go back and watch, they, they started the clock early before the ball even got to trade. Uh, six-tenths of a second came off the clock, and, you know, with just under three to go, that's a lot of time. You know, Kobe still got a good look. At, I think if they would have reviewed it, had he made it, they probably would have had to count it uh, because that time came off. But he had to rush it even a little bit more when, once he caught the ball. But, you know, I thought our guys, you know, battled through a couple of tough calls as well uh, down the stretch and, and still had a chance. Just unfortunately, Derek went for that block, missed it. We didn't have anybody smash down on Ryan Young, uh, who tipped in the game winner. Heartbreaking finish to, the, to that one, but, man, really proud of the guys and their efforts. You mentioned Kobe being one of your seniors out there. We do have a question on our text line about that, Coach. He said, with seniors being allowed to possibly come back next year, do you see the NCAA increasing the limit of scholarship numbers? It, they, they will for next year. It, it would be a one-time um, exception to be able to have more than 13 scholarships. So uh, our guys, both Thor and Kobe, uh, they know what the rule is and understand they have the option to come back and play um, an extra year. Uh, so if they did come back, we would be able to have 15 on scholarship next year. So that, that's the way that rule works. Okay, very good. Also on our text line, Coach, uh, this team's turned the ball over some here in recent weeks. It would seem to me that if we could solve that, we would win a lot more games. That's Jim asking you that one. 100%, Jim. I couldn't agree with you more. That, that's, that's been a huge um, problem for us all year long. And, you know, you look at last game against Northwestern, and it was as simple as turning the ball over nine times uh, in the first ten minutes. And that's the reason we, we uh, dug ourselves that huge hole. We were just giving them uh, opportunities, giving them extra shots, uh, you know, not taking care of the ball. Once we solved that problem, you saw what it did. We had great possessions. Uh, our movement's much better. We ended up with 21 assists, which was a season high. Uh, you look at the last six games, we're averaging almost 17 assists per game, uh, but we're still turning the ball over too much. And if we get that many extra opportunities to score the ball, you know, the other thing we're doing, we're shooting almost 47% uh, in the last six games, averaging 75 points and, and shooting almost 40 from the three. So we're doing a lot of good things offensively, but the turnovers just continue uh, to be a thorn on our side, and that's going to be a huge thing in the offseason. We have to find a way, and we were doing a better job before the shutdown, uh, but after the shutdown happened we got back to playing, we've been very sloppy uh, with the basketball. It's hard to win games when you give the other team that many extra opportunities. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. You came back from the hiatus, and your defensive efficiency was off the charts. It was so good. It hasn't been quite as good the last couple of games. Is that fatigue? What are you seeing on, on that end of the court right now? Some of it's fatigue. Some of it is uh, we, we have not rebounded the ball well. Uh, the last two games we actually have, obviously, until the last possession yesterday. Uh, you know, it's the reason we beat a very physical, tough um, Rutgers team. And I thought we had probably our best uh, defensive effort from start to finish in that game and uh the big part of that was we held them to six offensive rebounds and that's what that team hangs their hat on is toughness energy um you know uh, just physical play and i thought we were the more physical team that night uh again yesterday we gave up six all game and then of course the last one was the seventh one that, uh, that ended up being the game winner 
but that's been a problem as well, rebounding. Uh, you know, you look at when the team gets that many extra shots with turnovers and rebounding, it's tough to win consistently in this league. So, uh, you know, we've been better the last couple of games. We're going to have to do it again. Harar's the leading offensive rebounder in the conference. Uh, he had eight on us in our three-point loss to Penn State at home, and he had six on us in the game that we beat Penn State on the road. So, you know, we need to uh, clean that up. And then, uh, you know, we just got to make sure we stay sharp and crisp in our rotations when we do have to double-team uh, post. We have to get into the ball better. Our ball pressure has fallen off a little bit in the last couple of games. It was phenomenal, as good as it's been all year uh, in the first four games after the shutdown, where I think we held all four of those teams to under 40%. Uh, so offensive efficiency has gone way up uh, in the last five games, but defense hasn't been quite as good. So once uh, you know we understand and figure out, you know the consistency you have to play with both en- on both ends of the floor for 40 minutes. You know that's really when we're going to take off, and that's going to be a huge part of the off season uh, going into next year, which we really didn't have this year with COVID. You know that's another big thing with as many faces, new faces as we had on this year's team to not get that quality time not only in the offseason, in practices. Our practices going into the season this year were basically individual workouts because they weren't allowing uh, groups to work together. And then you get into it, you have uh, four or five less uh, preseason games. You don't get the exhibition. You don't get the scrimmage. So a lot of those opportunities to to really merge and and bond as a group uh, wasn't there this year. But we're going to have that next year. And we're going to have continuity on our roster. We're going to have a good core coming back and you know I know everybody knows about the guys coming in with Bryce and with Wilhelm and with Keisha you know to add that to the group we're having coming that we will have back next year is exciting it's exciting for our future and you look at our games I mean Illinois we had a, a very tough call um, you know on Trey late in the game that sent Iowa to the free throw line where very easily could have been called the other way uh, and then what happened in the game yesterday down the stretch with you know kind of that same in that same area if we win those two games, we're five and five in our last mm-hmm. ten, and you know that's progress. That's huge progress. Uh, you know to be able to, uh, you know, have that opportunity. We've lost twelve games where it's been within seven points uh, under eight minutes, and you know the, we've got to find a way to win those close ones. And you know once we do that and learn how to win, uh, like I said, hopefully we'll be off and running and, and get a spot in the NCAA tournament next year. How has the lack of practice over the last month affected the team in your eyes? Well, it, 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 it's not ideal. There's, there's no question when you don't get the opportunity to go work things out live on the practice court. Uh, you know, we're learning more through film sessions, through walkthroughs, uh, you know, going a little bit live. You know, obviously you put in the game plan, you get a one-day prep as opposed to a two- or three-day prep, which has been pretty much what it's been uh, since the shutdown. Even these last couple where we've had – two days between games, you know, mandatory, you have to take a day off. Uh, and per NCAA rule, we had a couple of games where we didn't even have a day of prep. We just put our game plan in the shoot around and it's still gone out and played very competitive basketball. Uh, you know, so it, it's just, it's not ideal, Greg, but it is what it is. And as players, I'll say this, you'd rather play than practice. And, you know, again, our guys have gone out and competed uh, pretty much each and every night. They've, they've stepped on the floor. Is it true you've been using, like, duct tape and ballroom floors and hotels to kind of go through some walkthroughs? Have you guys been doing that? We have, yeah. That, that's been wow. a big part of the preparation as well is, is uh, you know, walkthroughs in the ballroom. And you, you get in, you don't have access to the arenas with the COVID restrictions, and uh, you go through some of the uh, opposing plays and put your game plan in, um, you know, in, in a ballroom. So, yeah, I mean, it. 
again, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's very much like an NBA schedule and NBA preparation, um, you know, with 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And, you know, just got to continue to go out and teach, you know, even after the disappointing game against Iowa, uh, you know, we went out and had a long film session, went out and corrected with a walkthrough, uh, and I thought got better the next time we stepped on the floor. So, you know, our guys continue to be attentive, Greg, and they're, they're continue to be very willing uh, to learn and, and compete. And that's a great sign. Absolutely. You've got three young men who signed with you in November. What, and, and obviously you're going to be having exit interviews once the season comes to an end. L- let's talk about s- some of the things you want to get across to some guys that are going to be back for you in the program. What, where do where does some of the returning players need to grow in their game, and what will the emphasis be for them between whenever this thing ends, this week, next week, whenever it is, and when you get it going again in late October, early November next year? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, we're going to give our guys a little time to unwind and, and recharge, uh, you know, with as many games as we've played. You know, our guys are very fatigued right now and need to get their legs back underneath them and, and find a way uh, to get some calories in their bodies and eat the right things and, and uh, you know, start building their foundation of their bodies back. Uh, then what we'll do after that is we'll get them back in the weight room. And, you know, we won't do a lot of court work uh, in the first month. We'll really try to do everything to get their bodies built back up just because we have not had a lot of time in the weight room with how many games uh, that we've played. So that'll be a big point of emphasis as well. Uh, you know, academically with as much as we've been gone, uh, you know, got to make sure guys stay on top of that and finish off the semester, finish off the year uh, in a good spot. And then, you know, once, once we get, um, you know, our guys will leave that first week of May. So, you know, when we, uh, you know, after about a month, we'll, we'll get them back uh, on the floor and just do some skill work with them uh, before they leave. But we will not do any team activities just because of, you know, the grind of this long, crazy season that we've had. Uh, a lot of time will be spent getting their bodies back in tune with, uh, uh, with the weight room and, and, again, making sure they're putting the right things in their bodies. I could see how that would be really beneficial for a guy like uh, Eduardo. I mean, that's that's where he needs to develop, right? He needs to get physically stronger to play with the bigs in this league. Yeah, and he's been he's been awesome, Greg. And you know, I'm really excited about what we have with him and, and where he is at, and the work that he's put in to get himself where he is right now. And you know, he made I thought he and Trevor Lakes were the two guys that really turned around. Uh, that game yesterday when it got to 16 and we cut it back to seven and ended up a half on Thor's tip in down nine. Uh, but those guys came in and it just had such great effort and intensity and really turned the pace around. And that's what got us going a little bit. And then we carried that over to the second half and, you know, played that way pretty much the whole 20 minutes. But he's, he's a kid that has such a high ceiling uh, because of his physical attributes. He's, you know, almost seven feet tall with a, with a seven, four and a half inch wingspan. Uh, you know, so he's, he's just, he's got all the tools and you're right. He just, he's got to get in the weight room and get stronger. Uh, but he's already made big strides in that area from when he came in and you've seen his ability to finish how much that's improved. Uh, his shot has really improved, uh, you know, just being able to battle bigs and going out there, not have any fear at all, uh, is something I've really admired with Eduardo. So we, we feel great about his future. That's an easy one because I think we can all see he needs to, to add bulk and strength. What about Trey? What, what, where does Trey's game need to grow? Well, I think you've seen Trey, uh, you know, and, and again, he, I thought he had his two best games before the, before the shutdown and really was figuring out when to attack and, and when to get us into our offense and get us set up. Uh, he's starting to get that back now. 
you know, after having some early turnover trouble when we when we first got back uh, from the shutdown. But I thought he last couple games has been really really good in that area, uh, making the right play, making the right read, not trying to go into small spaces and spin and attack. Uh, when the right plays to come to a jump stop and make the easy play. He got Kobe a couple wide-open threes uh, just by going out there and making a simple basketball play and, and hitting a single instead of trying to hit the home run play. And, you know, just continue to grow in that area. It's really the first time in his career where he has played with the ball in his hands the majority of the time. He really played off the ball in his first two years at Pitt. And, you know, just to you know, really improve his assist-to-turnover ratio, that's going to be a big part of it. His shooting, which is an area he needed to improve, has been great pretty much the entire year, shooting almost uh, 38 39%. So he's made strides in a lot of areas. But I think the decision-making, uh, what he is doing now, is the best he's been all year. And that's certainly something he can carry over into the offseason and into next season. Coach, can you give us an update on a call? I mean, it's been fun seeing him on the bench, excited at home games. He's certainly been out there high-fiving teammates. How's his rehab going? Uh, he's doing well. He, you know, it's, it, that surgery he had was a big one, and he's making strides. He's doing a good job. He's been very diligent with his rehab, uh, working with our strength staff, working with our training staff, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll continue to improve and get better. But, you know, that was a, that was a tough blow for a call uh you know coming into the season to uh to have that type of surgery and you know just the biggest thing when you have that is to say positive which he always does he's such a great kid and you know just to keep a uh, a positive mindset and attitude throughout the whole thing and the whole process and he is he's one of the most positive guys uh over there on the bench and, and really is just a wonderful kid to be around oh you can just see it it just it just bubbles up when you see him out there it's time to say goodnight. Appreciate everybody being a part of this one. Tomorrow night, Top 10. Tuesday comes back. We'll also cover all the day's headlines and get you all fired up for those Big Ten tournament that's coming up on Wednesday. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, and all of you for listening to this one tonight. Have a great night.